0: Welcome to Two Men On, ladies and gentlemen. 110%. Killer Cords. Oh, oh yeah,
1: yeah I, remember I remember that one. Where you are. I was telling you so, suck. You know what? I, I quit. I really quit. <laughs> the mommy brown of fantasy baseball. I'm waiting on somebody to <laughs> say that. Wait for real party calling, right? Yeah. You're ready, already. <laughs> <laughs> Which two men are on.
2: T M O, baby. All wood, no course.
0: BMO number 31. Awataki and Boston got their first tastes of BDL glory last season when both clubs secured trips to the playoffs for the first time. But which team is more likely to experience a sophomore jinx? After years of plotting, planning, and sucking, Brian Kasky's patience finally paid off last fall as the Crawford Cramps became Black Diamond League champions. Brian will join us today to talk about his title run his long history in the BDL and the controversial Velocity initiative. Plus, what does Johnny have to say about a retiring KCC legend? You are listening to BDL radio. This is two men on. Johnny Holmes, What's up, man. Ah, we're back. It feels good.
1: I'm comfortable i got this mic set up in front of me it's a beautiful mic my co-host took care of me set me up
0: yes fans we are here to kick the pony express's ass mailbag <laughs> 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 no, no, for real it's, it's good to be back back on the air um got a good show planned for you guys today um Really think so? Of course, uh, Brian Kasky will be here in a little while, and we'll uh, have a lot have a lot to talk about. I think we uh, will end up going probably over an hour with the with the BDL champ, so it'll be a good conversation. Looking forward to it, but uh, uh, just catching up a little bit. Johnny, what's what's up with you in the Killer Cars?
1: Uh, I'm stoked. I mean, I think there's uh, potential for a playoff run, but um, I wouldn't be angry, you know. Getting another pick. we uh, am going to play hard. Uh, love love all my minors. I, I can't get enough.
0: Well, clearly uh, Frankie Fishrap feels the same way.
1: <laughs> this guy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the Italian mobster.
1: It's always nice to, to see your name pop up in these articles. I love that we're starting to get more and more. I love the interaction in the league. It's great.
0: Yeah, what do you think about that? I mean, we're we're kind of experiencing a, a BDL media boom right now. Um, I guess I'm really getting what I asked for when I went on the forum there like a few weeks ago and said, hey, we'd like to have a few writers, and all of a sudden I get an inquiry from one, and it's like, great, you know, write, write some stuff up, and then another one popped up, and then I've gotten uh, questions from a couple more. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good time for BDL media. It's... Uh, We've had, we've had a lot of content just in this month alone.
1: Yeah, you. Uh, I think in the interview coming up, you asked Brian a question about what's, uh, what's next for the BDL. And, uh, I mean, looking ahead, I, I wouldn't be surprised if every single member of our league is doing something spectacular. I mean, we keep coming with something new all the time. Pony Express, um, Stuck in the Ivy brings, you know, what they bring. And, uh, I mean, the writers, Chris, it's it's pretty amazing.
0: Of course it you know, it, it lends it lends a real sense of uh you know realism, um, for lack of a better word, to the league. Uh of course, you know, produced a little bit of a dust up between uh I think you and Craig there last week. I didn't even uh, do anything over over Mike Trout and um uh, you know, I, I don't know where that where that breakdown was from or or whatnot, but you guys have to learn when you're dealing with the media. Um, what you say is on the record.
1: Media, I love it. It all started with Buck Bradley.
0: You know, yeah. extra innings. Don't forget him. Buck's the pioneer. Yeah, I, I heard he was recently promoted. Sweet, e- extra uh,
1: money in the paycheck.
0: You got a secretary. Oh, nice. Double O status. All right. Uh, no! It is good, good to be back. Um, one thing that um, I think was really the standout uh, the standout thing from the winter meetings, Johnny, that I, I thought might be fun to talk about for a moment is the abolishment of of the Darvis rule. Um, and I- interesting because of the timing of it. You know, any other off season uh, wouldn't really have been that noteworthy, I don't think, but. Um, you know, for the for the sole fact that we have now this 25-year-old starting pitcher for the New York Yankees, uh, potential ace for the Yankees, but depending on how CC Sabathia performs, um, you know Tanaka, uh, who he'll he'll set out the entire 2014 as a result of this of this uh, rule change. So it's uh, you know I, I'm I'm very anxious to see uh, reactions to that develop and change. Um, as Tanaka takes the mound several times throughout the summer.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I will not say that I got screwed here because that would create way too much, uh, you know, feedback. in, in that TMO chatter thread we've got, um, you know, you people know what you did. <laughs> um, it is going to be interesting. I I really don't care. Um, yes, you it's do. It's a rule we made the rule. It's fine. We or got rid of the rule, whatever, and um, I just want to make sure that people don't regret this, you know, nine months down the road and reverse it. Then I would have gotten screwed.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think we're going to do that because I really don't like to be in the business of, of making a rule or repealing a policy and then uh, changing it 12 months later. Uh, and I know we're going through something kind of unique, You know, with the Voluson initiative stuff, that uh, you know you you can make an argument that uh, that, that's sort of what we're doing with that, or at least opening opening it up for. But uh, I think that's a bit of a different, complicated situation, or not complicated, but uh, controversial. Um, But no, I mean, you know, we voted on it as a league, and you know, it's not like you know, OPS certainly hasn't come up again since. Two thousand seven or eight or whenever the last time it was that Craig was waving that flag, and uh, you know I, that's just not really the type of precedent that that I want to set as commissioner. You know, in this league, you know, I, th- I think when when we choose a course, um, with with few exceptions, we ought to stick to it.
1: Hmm. I mean, I think I think with this Darvish rule thing, we'll find out early on. It, this first year is going to be just, you know. Mm-hmm. A lot of people like the fact that, you know, wins, K's, um, you know, potential dominant starter uh, is just sitting out there on waivers. No one can, uh, you know, grab, use, build, build, you know. I, my team aside, having the first pick, the waiver pick, um, I think the original idea was to give uh, the worst teams the an opportunity to rebuild, you know, with that uh, waiver allowing those players um to be picked up.
0: Yeah, and I you know, I, I personally I I didn't agree with abolishing the rule. Uh you know, I it it benefited my team in the past, you know, with with the U Darvish Darvish situa- situation. And you know, I, I was able to turn uh turn him basically a- into into Ryan Zimmerman. And um you know, that that really helped kind of kickstart the re- the rebuilding um or the or the transformation rather of my major league squad there a couple of years ago. And, you know, so I, I see or I saw firsthand those, you know, those opportunities for for a team that was, you know, I had finished in last place in the entire league um, the year before. And, you know, turned the ship around and finished first place in the entire league the year after. And, you know, certainly wasn't all because of the Darvish situation, but, you know, that helped, you know, big time yeah and and so i I think taking those opportunities away, you know personally, I think it was a mistake, but uh, I understand completely where um the the league members who voted to abolish it, I understand where they're coming from
1: sure i mean it's it's cleaner, it looks nicer um, I think the the benefit it had it just jump starts a rebuild, and I think if I actually think if you don't look at my team, because I think the common uh, thought out there is that my minor league team is stacked, and why why give him another, uh, you know, dominant piece? If you take a team like without you know, proven guys up at the major leagues, at least um, like the Ducks, um, and say they don't deserve to have a, an impact guy, you know, jump, help jumpstart that, I, I just thought it was beneficial.
0: I agree. Johnny, let's talk a little bit about uh, last season, which was really the season that was for a couple teams and the season that was not for another couple. Um, But first off, we saw two teams that had never really experienced uh, the postseason uh, get there for the first time, or or at least two managers, that being uh, Joe in the Amish Brotherhood and Kevin in the Boston Double Downs, um, both of whom burst onto the playoff scene for the first time. But who who do you think uh, is more likely to, to suffer a sophomore jinx this year after that success? Well,
1: uh, congratulations to both of them. Um, I'm super happy for the Amish. I'm super happy it came after the North Division <laughs> ended. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, it was well-deserved, and he's been building this for so long. I don't think he would um, – I don't think Joe would – Stumble at all, save for any change of plans on his part. I I know he gets itchy here. Uh, He's been itchy lately. And uh, Kevin, I I like what he did last year. Um, Just came so quickly. Uh, He's got an interesting mix of players, some older. uh, Some kind of broke out last year. I might have to go with the double downs if I had to choose one.
0: Choose one that that would falter? Yeah. I would probably go the other direction for the simple fact that this has nothing to do with with the Amish's roster, but, uh, you know, Joe Joe is one, he seems so, uh, uh, you know, back and forth on, on what direction he wants to take constantly, so I'm just never too sure about him. I'm never too sure exactly how close he is to pulling the trigger on, you know, restocking his farm system by, you know, dealing a couple valuable major leaguers, and, you know, for all I know, that could be, you know, tomorrow. So, um, uh, I, th- I think it's, Probably more likely that that Joe would become frustrated with the situation as opposed to Kevin. But uh, uh, again, as you say, Kevin, uh, of course, is new to new to this experience as well in terms of of, of success. And we, you know, we'll we'll see how he how he responds to it this season.
1: Yeah, I mean, Kevin's new to it. I think I like all his trades. I like what he does. He's very uh, methodical in that sense, but. I mean, given the mix of his players, given the breakouts he had, some some of the breakouts last year, and in your your uh, your league conference over there, I mean, it's, it's it's going to be tough to to get back.
0: Let's talk about one other team, um, the uh, a team that that really I think proved its doubters wrong last season when it reached the playoffs for the second consecutive year. That being the Malibu Bay Beers. Uh, but the question, Johnny, I'd like to pose is. You know, When you look at Chris's team right now and, and the success that they've had in the postseason, the past two seasons, or at least getting there, um, do you feel that the team's window for success and window to compete for a championship, is it, is it still opening or is it already beginning to close?
1: Uh, I don't think either. I think he's right, right in the um, prime of his, his stretch. Um, all his young guys are breaking out. I mean, Goldschmidt. Um,
0: well, it, has I mean, to, if you, it has to be one or the other, doesn't it? I mean, you're either climbing the mountain or you're on the other side.
1: Well, when you say a championship uh, competition here, it, I think he's the best combination of, um, that we've seen since Earn left. Of, of Earn plus, like, knowing what you're doing.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think
1: there was a, a tad bit of luck on Earn's part. I mean he focused right on the numbers. Chris a is tad. very what do you mean yeah. a
0: tad? <laughs>
1: <laughs> he focused on the numbers and, and Chris does the same thing, except I think he put so much effort into um studying the minor leagues, uh, you know, really trying to gain value as as opposed to where he uh you know found a player originally. Um it it's a good combination, meaning I don't think uh his window's going to close anytime soon. Uh,
0: when I look at Chris's team, I, I think I think it's hard to peg whether it's it's still opening or, or beginning to close. But uh, oh, look at that cop out! Yeah, I guess you're right. If I, but, if I had to choose one, no, but I, I guess this is this is the point I'm trying to make. It's it, the it, whatever direction it's going, it seems to be moving so slowly that I, I don't know that uh, it, it makes all that much difference at least right now um you know because it's you know chris doesn't have one of those teams that i look at and i say oh he's he's just got you know 18 months of this left and it's you know he's it's over he's gonna have to do something to to rebuild that club uh and 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 so it's 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 tough but I, probably I, I would say i think his window is is still opening is still cracking open more so than it is uh, closing a little bit um you know, areas of, of improvement there that I think we you, you could see, but uh, um, you know I, I I really like what Chris has done.
1: Yeah, it, it is still opening. I mean, he made the playoffs last. Was it last year or the year before? Both years. Well, one of the I think his first year he made it with maybe like three pitchers. I mean, uh, he just started adding pitching.
0: Yeah, you're talking about the year that he made the BDLCs. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, and you got to remember. Now that um, he's in my league, my conference, I'm not sure that there's going to be much competition for that playoff spot um, for a couple years here. Uh, I think he's safe, and um, and once you're in the playoffs, you know, you can lose like me.
0: Well, that and anything can happen too. Yeah. you know, uh, Johnny, last season was also the season that wasn't for a handful of teams. Uh, mine included the Generals. Um, going down in flames once again, uh, after some high hopes, um, maybe more shockingly, uh, at least I think so. the reigning champ Wallabies missed the playoffs entirely. I uh, don't think anybody saw that coming after their strong 2012 campaign. Uh, where do you think Brent goes from here?
1: Um, well, up. I mean, I, I don't think he was as bad as his team last uh, you know showed last year. Um, I'm wondering if he didn't kind of sit back once he knew he was out of it and and try to take a you know broader look at things Um, It's interesting
0: yeah the ACL is you know in that league you, you, you know you're gonna have one strong team that will not make the playoffs and that's that's compelling to me you know you when you look at that at that league at the top you've got the Wallabies the Rockets the double downs damage and generals that's five um, one of those teams will be uh, on the outside looking in and um of course last year it was it was brent uh but we'll you know we'll see how how this season plays out but uh he's got some and decisions to make
1: it's interesting you can even include um the elevation in there perhaps because uh not the the epidemic excuse me um got my e teams confused Because um, I think halfway through last season he was right in it Kevin made that late put- didn't he make that late push? And um, as much as I never understand um, Matt's team, he's got a chance to make the playoffs every year.
0: Yeah, I don't understand Matt's team whatsoever. It, uh, <laughs> it, it defies uh, everything I know about fantasy baseball <laughs> or think mm-hmm. I know about fantasy mm-hmm. baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of wrapping things up here, though, Johnny, the other team that I think we should uh, at least make a note about is, is of course, your own killer cars making uh, or excuse me missing the playoffs for the very first time ever in the history of the BDL Um, of course you're going in a a different direction right now with the rebuild so it it probably doesn't sting quite that much uh, much knowing what you have coming down the pike but uh, where's your head at right now how do you feel about your squad?
1: I feel very good Um, I did have to swallow my pride at first because that was just like something I really held on to but um I mean, winning a championship has to be the only thing I'm concerned with right now. And um, I took it down. But I think it was, last year was a, um, a, like a change in the guard with, with with certain teams missing the playoffs, certain new teams making it in. Um, I, I actually think it's not going to be that long before uh, the bees and the cars are back in it. Um, I'm, I'm going to shoot for it, like I said, uh, this year. Maybe not. But um, I think my my league is uh, suited for me to get back there soon, and um, I mean I think you're right there also. So it could be your year. I mean, last year was uh, a change in the guard, but they, everyone else should watch out because I don't I don't think it's going to stay that way.
0: Absolutely, well, Johnny BDL champion uh, Brian Kasky of the Crawford Cramps joined us uh, today in this episode for. For a long sit-down chat uh, about his time in the league, his his title, and a few other topics, and uh, it was a good talk. And hope you guys enjoy it. So let's let's throw on over to Brian right now. <laughs> Okay, guys, it's time to get the cramps with the BDL champ. We're here with Brian Kasky, the reigning BDL champion. Glad to have you here on TMO. How's it going, Brian?
2: Thank you very much, doing well. doing very well.
0: Glad to have you.
2: Good to be yeah. here. Yeah,
0: <laughs> TMO's been <laughs> off
1: there for about a year, a long time. Uh, so I think the burning question on everyone's mind is, um, did you miss us? Oh,
2: definitely definitely (laughs) you know it's one of the fun things about this league is that we have so much of the media component and you don't find that anywhere else and it makes it really fun so yeah I've definitely missed the show yeah for the media
1: component do you have any requests uh, for your intro theme music
2: (laughs) what do you got on your iPod right now oh you almost have to go with inner Sandman don't you
0: Oh, wow. Is that, that, man, that is, a, that is a total dig at, at, at Bill Moran is what that is. <laughs> You're using Bill's music against him in your own energy. Yeah, I think we should do it. That is a, that, that a straight-up mind game, Brian. We <laughs> did close it out last
2: year. You, you got to do what you got to do.
1: <laughs> That's great. And um, it was great you and your family made it down to BDO Weekend for the first time. Uh, last summer, Winds Atlanta... Weekend. And, yeah, um, we really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, H- who would you say among the guys you you met uh, stood out as being like the least like their online alter ego? Because it's it's a lot different in person.
2: It is, it is very different in person. Um, uh, I don't know. I think I think most of the guys seemed, you know, basically the way they seem online. Um, yeah, I think over the course of time and and. Of course having been in the league for many years now I think you get to know people uh, I, I was really um, I really liked uh, meeting Chris for the first time um, that was really great he's a good guy so um,
0: yeah I personally think too Chris Chris is one that he, he comes across um, you, you don't really um, you know you don't really get the full appreciation of Chris uh, from his, his forum identity. Uh, he, he's a really cool dude, and, and uh, uh, meeting him for the first time in Philly there was was, was cool. Um, but, yeah, I, I would agree yeah. with you there. Very yeah,
2: likable. Very likable, yeah, yeah. Good guy.
1: <clears throat> I would say he's really taking the league. I mean, uh, he's, he's addicted, I think, at this point. Um, we talk about it a lot. I think there was a period last year, Scotty, where he might have brought up your minor league roster and how the fact that there were like eight open spots and you weren't doing anything about it <laughs> for a number of weeks it really really bothered him
0: until <laughs> uh, chris to mind his own business yeah <laughs> he's a big contributor
2: though you know and that's what you want to see from from league owners um you know people who are invested in the league and 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 they they're managing their team every day and and he's sort definitely contributing on the on the media end and, and you know he's active on the boards, and so yeah he's 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 a great owner, yeah it's great
1: after the two like original shows after what mark the incredible job mark did last year uh, yes he's really important new guys are writing i mean
2: it's it's really coming along it's starting to pick up again, so yeah yeah, yeah and awesome. I think I think that's a great thing to mention because Mark's show was so good last year, and he you know, I, th- I think I mentioned it on the boards at some point, but he, he really got a lot more comfortable as the season went on. Um, and his, his show just got better and better and better. And so I've got high hopes for it again this year. Agreed. Absolutely.
1: So this uh, interview we're on, this fantasy baseball nerd thing, um, how much time you got tonight? <laughs> how, how was Stacy with the experience and, and uh, how are we looking tonight?
2: Oh, yeah, we're good. We're good. She enjoy herself. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She, uh, we we had nice, uh, nice evening tonight, and and I told her, you know, I had my baseball dork thing I had to take care of, and so yeah. she's cool with it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Brian, just to kind of take a look at at uh, some reflections from your from your championship run now from 2013. Um, you know, after after seven seasons coming up short in the league, you you are you're now the champion. So. Just tell us how's it, how's it feel? You, you've reached that plateau.
2: How does it feel? Uh, it's it's interesting. It's it's um it's kind of hard to describe. Um, and and partially I think because I spent so much of the BDLCs expecting Kevin, who has a great team, um, to come roaring back and to take that trophy away from me. <laughs> You know, I got out to a a nice early lead. My team had a good offensive week. um, And I kept expecting him just to come storming back. And and when that finally happened, you know, he fell just a little bit short. Um, It was a great BDLCS, I think. It came down to essentially the final outs of the final game before it was all decided. And uh, so it didn't really feel all that real when I came out on top. (laughs) took a while for it to sink in and uh, i hate to use the word surreal because basically i hate that word Mm -hmm. and it's so overused but there are times when i think back to last season and i try to remember who won the league and i have to remind myself hey dummy it was you (laughs) 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 you know um as far as the BDL goes, winning a championship in this league, it's a huge accomplishment. It's, it's big. There are 15 other guys trying to get that trophy. And um, I can only imagine it's going to be um, harder, if not impossible, to stay at the top of that heap. And I think that's what makes you know, some of our repeat champions uh, so impressive, is that they were able to do it year on year, and, and that's, that's tough.
0: Yeah, I think that's the real mark of of the BDL championship, that trophy is that uh, you know we, we have such a competitive you know league from top to bottom um, that you you know there are there are you know there are not just three, four, five other serious players you know gunning for that trophy. There, there are 15 Thanks. other people other than yourself gunning for that trophy at various stages mm-hmm. in their builds. You know, all the time, and, and I, I think that's the true mark of the, of, the, of the trophy, myself.
2: Exactly, and I'll tell you what. You know, you look at a team like Kevin's, who, you know, he we knew coming into last season that he was very much improved, uh, but I I never would have predicted him to be in the playoffs. Really, I mean, I would have expected him to be. Above 500, I think certainly, but to to be a, a championship caliber team, I mean, he showed how quickly you can do it, and I th- I thought that was really impressive. He was great. He was a great opponent in the uh, BDLCs.
0: And of course, uh, certainly re- rewarded for that effort with the uh, with the Ripken Award. So, uh, certain yep. certainly well earned. Well earned, definitely. Well, Brian, in the in the three year span that preceded. Your champions, uh, championship season, you drafted in the first round 10 different times, including two number one picks. What impact would you say that draft strategy had on your 2013 campaign?
2: Mm, yeah, I, I think picks, of course, are very important in a dynasty league. And, and you really have to maximize you know, what you get in return for those picks um, when you make them. Uh, this year, I was out of the draft. Um, for the first time ever, I didn't have a single pick. Um, having traded all my picks during my run last year, it was a very odd sensation because usually I'm just like I've got all my million sheets in front of me, and I'm you know scratching names off as they come off the board and moving guys up and down my list. and And this year, I just really didn't. Um, it's not that I didn't pay attention. I mean, I, I watched the draft as it happened and, and saw who everybody was picking and, and that sort of thing. And, and there are a few guys that I are on my you know list for potential free agent pickups. But um, I didn't really feel like there were a lot of impact guys in the draft this year, which is one of the reasons I didn't feel too bad trading out of it. Um, others will certainly disagree with that. Um, but over time, you know, I'm a big believer in the draft, especially with uh, early draft draft picks um, some of those picks really worked out um, the two in a row of course with Strasburg and Harper but um, also guys like um, Eraldus Chapman who I traded to you Scotty um, mm-hmm. so those guys worked out and I kept them around but essentially my strategy always boils down to draft and trade um, there is almost zero chance that your draftees from across multiple seasons are going to all hit the big time um, as impact players all at once Right, So for every Bryce Harper, there's an Alex Gordon. That's really kind of my rule of thumb. Right. For every Steven, Str- every, every Steven Strasburg, there's a Homer Bailey. So some guys just kind of take longer to develop. And um, so part of this dance is drafting and then figuring out who's going to be ready when the majority of your team is ready to compete. Because if these guys are, aren't all ripening at the same time, you have a problem. So your next thing you have to do is you have to trade for guys who are going to spread your risk across multiple multiple positions on the team and give you the best chance to win each week. Um, I kind of look around the league and I'll see teams, you know, with one superstar or a couple of guys that are you would kind of fit in that superstar category, and then nothing beyond that in terms of talent. Mm-hmm. And I, I look at those teams, and I, I, I sort of I can't help but think that these owners are maybe doing something wrong. Uh, because you need good players. You need good players in multiples. If you're going to accumulate the kind of stats, you need to win from week to week. And if you've got that one big star, chances are really good that that one guy is going to be too old or hurt or broken down or something by the time the rest of your team is ready. So it's a, it's a, you have to do a lot of planning. And when you reach that, that point where you feel like, okay, my team is ready to compete you have to go all in, and you can't really be emotional about the players you have. If you can get value for them, and you need them, you know, to to fill a hole somewhere else, you've got a deal. Well, let's, so
0: let's, that's my
2: whole okay. that's my whole philosophy.
0: Let's 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 talk about trades uh, just for a moment. Then you're you're certainly a less prolific trader than than some <clears throat> are, but when you when you do pull, pull the trigger, uh, you know, I think you, you you try to make it count. Um, you know, they're usually memorable trades. Uh, what do you think had more of an impact on finally making you a title <laughs> contender uh, in the la- in the last couple seasons, trading or drafting?
2: Well, I think it's kind of both. I mean, obviously my, my strategy is to draft and trade and to try to collect guys that fit the cramps model, you know, in the process. Um, I don't like one-dimensional offensive players. Um, I just – a guy who just gets steals, I can't. I, the, you are, you're not going to find those guys on my team. Um, I like pitchers who get K's. The right. K rate and the walk rate to me say everything about a pitcher. So right. you know when I'm when I'm researching guys, um, these are the guys I like. And Brian, you don't understand the uh, value of a Juan Pierre,
0: or or, <laughs> or or even a Billy Hamilton.
2: You're missing out. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly, now Hamilton could be special. I mean, he's he's kind of an amazing guy, and and he reminds me of Vince Coleman in a lot of ways. You know, going way back uh, a bit, but uh, yeah, he's he's a stud. He could be interesting, um, but yeah, I'm not so much on the, the just the true speedsters. Uh, the you know, uh, that's not my thi- my thing. But um, when trading, my strategy is typically to identify guys I like, and then to make sure I get those guys if I'm going to pull off a deal. So I don't trade just to trade. Um, I don't trade out of boredom. Um, I only trade if I'm getting a guy I want. Um, And I think one of the things that other owners haven't figured out about me, or maybe they have, um, is that I will draft the best possible player available, regardless of position and regardless of what I need on my team, because I'm inevitably going to trade that player. So that, that's a big part of my thing, too. When I'm when I'm drafting, it's just like I'm just really kind of cold and brutal about it. I will just pick the best guy available on the boards with the idea that, you know what, somebody else is going to want him. And I'll be able to fill a need that I have that way. That's impressive. You're ice cold. I, I get way,
1: way, way too attached to my
0: guys.
2: I do. I do. Yeah, oh. I just – I just don't. He's yeah, for well, the most yeah, part.
0: Yeah, you've managed to hang on to a couple of your two number one picks uh so far, uh, Strasburg and Harper, of course you are still uh still rostered, but uh Yeah.
2: Those guys, but I tell you what, even those guys I'd trade. Um I'm in negotiations right now to trade Jason Hayward, which I never thought I would do, but you know, at some point you you uh it's not that you get tired of a player, but um you know, you start to think what what could I get for him, you know? Right. and uh it's a possibility.
0: Let's 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 roll back the clock uh, a couple seasons here Brian in the lead up to to your uh, <clears throat> your championship run. Where exactly was your head at after the disappointment of 2012 when you were eliminated uh, I believe by the eventual champion Wallabies if, if I remember correctly.
2: Yeah, uh it was an extremely low point for me <laughs> because <laughs> This is uh, this is the first year that I was really, really competitive, you know, and I had a really good team. Actually, if you look at my number of wins, if you look at all the statistics across the board, my 2012 team was better than my 2013 team. And of course, in 2012, I was eliminated uh, by Portsmouth, and it was not even close. It was one of those deals where um, Brent just had me on the ropes almost from the first day. Um, His team just performed, my team did not. It was extremely frustrating. Um, So, you know, my decision after that season was, okay, you know, my team performed all year long, we got to the playoffs, it's a crapshoot, it was a huge disappointment, I'm not going to change a thing. (laughs) So last offseason I was very quiet. (laughs) You know, I didn't make, didn't make too many deals, just went into the season with the same team. Um, in in retrospect, that may have been a mistake in in some ways because uh, at the end of last season, and actually in the BDLCS, so much of my team was hurt and injured and um, you know, pretty much on the shelf. Uh, it made it very difficult. Kevin was having the same problems, which I think helped me um, quite a bit. But, uh, yeah, 2012 was really tough. And I remember having a conversation with you, Scotty, where we were, we were both at that phase where, okay, we're going into the weekend and we know we're going to lose. There's no chance we can either one of us can win this matchup. And I, th- I really think you had had uh, the best team all year long. I was right there with you. Um, I really thought you and I were going to meet in the championship, and it was extremely disappointing. You know, a that that matchup didn't
0: happen, but also that I felt like.
2: My team was so good and was getting sent home.
0: Yeah, I, of yeah. course, totally agree. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't, best I recall, I, I didn't really care to talk fantasy baseball for at least three months after that. And actually, the same last yeah. year as well. But, you know, it's just kind of, you, you invest so much uh, in, in your team and, and, you know, you think you've got it to that point and then it just lets you down. Um, and, and there you are. So it can be tough. But um it k- kind of branching off from that too it's you know Brian it's such a tough tough road to the BDLCs uh just making it that far i think is an accomplishment so describe the gamut of emotions that you experience in that championship <clears throat> week from from monday to thursday to sunday
2: yeah it uh that week for me it was such a nail biter um Coming up against Kevin's team, I really... And I think I even said this on the boards. I said um, I thought that Kevin's team should be favored because my team was banged up and beat up, and and uh, I really felt like he had the stronger team going into the championship series. Um, and it turned out to be such a nail-biter. Um, remember, by the time you get to the championship game, you've had to win two playoff matchups already. So you have this kind of... Um, natural sensation that you're running out of luck. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, when I got off to a good lead offensively, um, and my team last year, of course, I dominated pitching categories pretty much all year long. Um, so it was a surprise to play well offensively against Kevin. And then I just literally held on until the final out. It was uh, really nerve-wracking. I bet. So it was, uh, yeah, it was tough. It was a, it was a fun week but it was a tough week. And when it was over, it was just, it was kind of a relief, you know, more than, (laughs) you know, you want to, you want to kind of jump up and down, but you, it's almost like, uh, you know, you, if you've ever caught a big fish, like a really big fish, you get the fish to the boat and you're so exhausted. You really can't jump up and down and cheer. You know, it's that same sensation. I bet. (laughs) Let's go back. um,
1: we were talking earlier about Strasburg and Harper. Um, and we'll pull back the curtain on the draft a little. Um, how would you assess your ability to uh, to judge draft town? And, and,
2: you know, over the past eight seasons, have you gotten better? <laughs> uh, as a guy who took Mike Leakey in the first round a couple of years back? Um, clearly not. <laughs> 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 um, I think it's always going to be a crapshoot. The best thing you can do uh, with the draft, I think, is identify guys who are either at the top of the draft, you know, the preceding year, there are all these these guys who go high in the draft, um, like the Byron Buxton's and, and you can't go wrong with them. Um, so if you've got the right picks and if you're picking at the top of the draft, obviously these are the guys you're going to take. Um, otherwise you kind of have to, uh, look at guys who went undrafted in the BDL the previous year, uh, played well in rookie ball and seem like they have some talent. And, um, sometimes those guys will turn into gems. I'm talking about guys like Eddie Butler, you know, or uh, maybe Miguel Almonte, who's on my roster right now. Um, I like him. Um, also, if you know, I get to quite a few minor league games here in Asheville, and so it helps to sometimes get eyes on a player. Um, even though even that's not a perfect science, I've been wrong before. Uh, for instance, I thought that Matt Holliday would never be a good major leaguer. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he played third base for the tourists and um he really didn't stand out to me um oops on the other yeah i know right <laughs> i mean i avoided him specifically because i'm like man he's just so he's kind of short and squat and <laughs> he played a terrible third base and you know i just i don't like that guy uh, on the other hand jerks and profar was the most disruptive player that i have personally ever seen on the bases He was a nightmare. The tourists did not know what to do with him. If you let him on first, he was on third. Next thing you knew. Um, So I like him. He reminds me a lot of Milton Bradley, um, who I also saw here when he was with the Expos.
1: Crazy. That's um, interesting that you don't give yourself that much credit for for your drafting. I think you've done a great job. Uh, It sounds like you're you're more or less saying that uh, Strasburg and Harper
2: were so simple a monkey could have picked them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, and, and it's funny, there was that year that I had the first four picks. Uh, and, you know, I, picking uh, picking at the top of the draft is not difficult, but you look at the next three and it's like, eh. Ah. <laughs> you know, didn't do so well with those next three. So I think it's just a, a total crapshoot. Well, Harper
1: is the big name. He's remained virtually untouchable. And I he said uh, he can be had. Do you still
2: believe in his upside as much as you ever did? I do. I do. I think um, he had some bad luck last year with some injuries and whatnot. Uh, he's kind of, you know, he's still a little bit raw. But if you see the guy's workout routine and his work ethic and you hear the things he says, he says all the right things. I really think he's going to be a great player. I really do. Although this year he said he wanted he wanted to get big as a house, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. I think I think he wants to hit the ball, you know, eight hundred feet. That'd be good for you. But if the offer for uh,
1: Mike Trout straight up came today, accept
2: decline. Uh, I'd probably do that. Yeah, yeah, I'd probably do that. Controversy is, on Trout TMO. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right, I think I would. Yeah, Trout is uh, Trout is impressive, and he's he's a guy like I said. He he does a little bit of everything.
0: That is not and, the answer uh, I that, expected, Brian. Impressive, <laughs> impressive really? honesty. Yeah, I would yeah,
2: too. Yeah,
0: I, I think I would do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean I
2: Trout's. I mean, yeah, Trout's impressive. He can, he can, he can hit thirty home runs. He can steal fifty bases. He's, he's one of these guys. He can th- hit three twenty. Nothing he did would surprise me. Whereas Harper's a guy he might hit fifty home runs one of these days, but you just don't know. He's not going to steal 50 bases, too.
1: Yeah, both big-time lottery tickets. Yeah, for sure. And I know you mentioned it's, it's both drafting and trading. Um, I, I always look at you as, as a drafting team, and I love the way you did it. So after some lean years, uh, you've reached the pinnacle of success. I mean, would you embrace the same franchise-building strategy implemented in the early days?
2: think i would um you know it's funny because i feel like during my time in the bdl and i've been in the league for eight seasons yeah um i feel like i spent six seasons trying to build something and i've only spent the last two actually trying to win something and there's a bit of a difference between those two things um as i mentioned i was extremely frustrated after 2012 because my team had gotten into contention, and I felt that team was even better than the team that won the championship last year. So, and I got into the playoffs with that team. The wheels came off. Obviously, Scotty, yours were coming off at the same time. Um, not that I took any solace in that. It's just yeah. I think your your frustration of mine just sort of were, were running was, neck and neck.
0: Uh, yeah, it was a, it was a parallel that year for us. <laughs>
2: yeah sure. sure because we had we had kind of gone about building our teams the same way, you know, drafting a ton of superstars, um, young superstars, and trading a lot of them. And doing we, whatever we had to do,
0: we pretty yep. much flipped the switch just about at the same time too.
2: At, the, at about the same time. yeah and and we had gone from you know both of us basically from worst to first. And after after you know failing so badly and flaming out, not to take anything away from Brent because he had a great run in that postseason, And, and I was happy, I think happiest when he won the championship because I would have hated if he just kind of flamed out in the next round, you know what I mean? Um, so the fact that he won it all made me feel a little bit better. And obviously Brent's a great guy. And and, um,
0: let's, let's be honest. You, you just would have hated it had Chris won. (laughs) Uh, Maybe,
2: because <laughs> I felt like maybe because I felt like he, like he kind of snuck into the playoffs and and um, you know Chris, maybe Chris, you maybe
0: sneaky bastard. <laughs> or,
2: maybe Brent deserved it a little bit more, or uh, you know, being an old timer, or maybe with all the work that he does for the BDL, it was good to see him win. But um, really, after after that defeat, like you said, Scotty, I had to put baseball away. I didn't think about baseball at all until the draft. And I didn't even do any research going into last year's draft. <laughs> Just kind of, like, showed up. <laughs> so it's it's hard. Um, but when I look back at the history of the cramps, um, you kind of have to bear in mind that there were two rebuilds. Because the initial team that I that I got, and I'm trying to remember the, the name of the team when I got it.
0: That was the MP Outlaws.
2: MP Outlaws, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Um, they were horrible. They were horrible. Um, hmm. Pretty ba- Yeah, really, really bad. Um, I basically turned over the entire roster that first year, and then so after dumping and junking and trading like a madman that whole first season, I got my team to near 500, and then for the next two seasons, I was slightly above 500. But it came. It it became apparent very quickly that um, I couldn't compete with these teams the, the players they just weren't it wasn't the right mix it, they were too old in some cases they, i didn't have a lot of power i didn't have the right kind of pitching um and especially because i was stacked up against team like teams like bill's um by that time he had taken over joe beth's team and um bill and i were in the same division and he just had better players so in 2008 i got about a month into the season and decided to Rebuild again. You know, I went all in with the youth movement. I figured I'd squeeze every piece of value out of my team and go for picks and youngsters with, you know, more long term potential. So it's been a very long, slow build from there. And uh, obviously, there have been some very low moments, especially early in that process. Um, but even, you know, with having said that, I think it's a recipe for success, it's a plan. Um, when you're losing badly, as I was in those years from say 2009 to 2011, um, losing is a lot easier to stomach if you see that your team is at least developing. Mm-hmm. Um, Johnny may be at that point now. Mm. And I think some of the other owners in this league, and um, Johnny leaps to mind, Connor and Kevin, um, they're sort of following their own variants maybe of that recipe. Kevin is a very astute trader, and he's a smart numbers guy. And it really came together a lot faster um, for him than it did for me. Um, with Connor, the jury's still out. We'll kind of have to see if he has the discipline and, uh, in some ways, the ruthlessness to let some of his babies go. You know, when the time comes, I have I have no doubt that Johnny Johnny will be able to do it. Uh, he's, he's a little earlier in the process, but when the time comes, he's going to be so stacked that he's going to be able to wheel and deal and get the guys he needs and make a real serious run, you know, for the, for the title.
0: Agreed. Yeah. I think yeah. we'll, uh, I think we'll delve a little bit more into your history and just here in just a few minutes, Brian, uh, kind of stemming off uh, from, from the team you in, you inherited there, but uh, just to shift, just to shift gears a little bit, um, uh, something a little more current. You, of course, we're, a, we're a, a vocal supporter of the Voluson Initiative proposal that we're finally seeing implemented in full this year. So, uh, tell us what are what are your your expectations for its big rollout?
2: <laughs> Did you call it the Voluson Initiative proposal? <laughs> that's that's a good one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's just uh, let's just call it what it is. It's the Velocin rule. Okay, there's nothing mm. initiative about it. It's the rule we all agreed to adopt. We've phased it in over two seasons, and now it's a part of the official BDL rulebook. I mean, it's not an experiment. It's here.
0: Let me just state for um, the record, while while we're on this this subject, I I actually loathe that name. I I kind of I, I kind of <laughs> resent the fact that that Chris's name. Um is so <laughs> is so attached to it, and that's that's honestly yeah. out of fairness to Chris because I th- I think he has received a lot of unnecessary heat from from this this uh, this changes uh, uh, critics. Uh, you know, a majority of the league did vote to approve that proposal, so uh, you know, yeah, exactly. I kind I, I kind of do resent that, but it's you know it is what it is, and we kind of have, have fun with it. So that's probably my yeah.
2: Thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I mean I I'll exp- I'll explain a little bit more why I'm in favor of it. Um and and I I agree. I think uh, I think in some cases Chris has gotten a little bit more of vitriol than he than he probably deserves. Well, definitely more than he deserves because it's it's not all that controversial, I think once you take a longer view at, you know, how fantasy baseball leagues are constructed. Um but you know in terms of you know expectations i think teams have either taken a long view like i have and have at least planned to have adequate players manning these new positions or maybe they haven't and i think the owners that haven't been planning quite frankly these are the ones you're going to hear the most complaining from Um, but all the new rule does is it puts us into the basic parameters that the rest of the world plays under in plain vanilla five by five rotisserie. Um, except in five by five roto, you play with five outfielders, not four. So, um, you know, we had kind of a hybrid, uh, uh, roster before all this is really doing is normalizing our rosters in my, in my view. I mean I, I think it's a good rule. I like it. I think it establishes balance between uh hitting and pitching and um I think that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, there there's uh, quite honestly probably some resent resentment um uh from some parties over over my decision to to allow that back um, on the winter meeting agenda for this coming December but uh, just honestly for the for the sake of for the health of the league and and, and so on I, I just felt that it was uh, you know, if if it should be restated, it should be uh, um, you know because we have had you know whether it's uh, you want to call it controversial or not, you know there there has been that uh, that kind of cloud hanging over it, and and um, you know if if there are issues that arise this year, then well there's your chance to address it, but uh, if not, then it's it's an opportunity for for those who supported it in the first place. To uh, to hold strong and 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 you know just kind of tell the league loudly and, and permanently that you know this this is the direction in which we're going.
2: Well, yeah, because you know as I mentioned, we're we're not making up rules here. Um, if anything, we're conforming to the way the rest of the world plays fantasy baseball. In my ESPN league, for instance, we have three bench spots on the entire team. This is hitting and pitching. The rest of the squad is active. So owners in the bdl are complaining there's no bench there's no bench come on this is this is part of playing fantasy baseball and sometimes you have to cut guys loose you might not want to do that you might want to park them on your bench forever but if anything having a, a shallow bench it makes the available player pool more dynamic and it stimulates trading because if one of my guys gets hurt or retires or something i can't i can't hang around and wait and have a, an empty active roster spot i got to do some trading Uh, I got, I got to fill that spot somehow. So I feel like it's, it stimulates activity.
0: Brian, tell us how, how did the cramps specifically prepare for, for the new offensive positions with an eye on defending your title this year?
2: (laughs) Well, we moved our backups guys like Todd Walker and, and Brandon belt into the starting lineup.
0: That's it. That simple.
2: It was that simple. (laughs) And, um, I'll admit that I've been looking around the league trying to upgrade some players at middle infielder and corner infielder and maybe even at outfielder, but there's increased demand right now for those players. And um, so the cramps are ready to roll into the season with the players that we have on the roster right now. Um, I didn't have a bench to speak of, you know, after the the Voloson rule went into full effect. So I did swing a, a small deal for Alfonso Soriano, who... He came inexpensively. He'll fill a nice role for me. Um, he can still hit. He's still got value, and he can fill in on off days. Um, same thing with Eduardo Nunez, who uh, I like quite a bit. He plays multiple positions, so, and I think guys like that will have a little bit more value as we step into this.
0: Do you, do you have an assessment of, of how the league as a whole has prepared for the changes? Do you think there are any, uh, any standout teams that that uh, really have have not taken it seriously enough to to prepare?
2: I think you have owners who are ready and, and owners who are not ready, and that's basically the the long and the short of it. Um, the guys who are ready, I think, are going to get off to a fast start. Um, just because they've been planning, they got these these guys in place, and and when the season starts. They understand that spreading your risk around your roster and making sure you have an adequate play, player at each position, you know that's the way you win. Um, I have tried to look around the league and see who's ready, and to be honest with you, every time I do that, I get to the Woo's roster and I throw up because he's got like <laughs> he's got like three third basemen listed in his starting lineup, and I can't <laughs> I can't figure his team out. So, uh <laughs> I don't know i don't know i i'm such a uh i'm such a um a perfectionist i guess that i have to set my roster the way it's going to look on opening day like right now (laughs) And, and when other people don't do that it's just such a funny thing to me it just it drives me crazy but uh i think most people are at least moderately ready um to start the season with somebody playing at these positions
0: well, obviously, if, as we've you know, touched on already, some degree of controversy has followed uh, the initiative since its proposal, uh, uh, approval two years ago. As a supporter of this particular evolution of the BDL, in, in what ways do you believe that concerns that some have over it are, are overblown?
2: Uh well there was a lot of talk, you know, when we were initially discussing this about how it was gonna devalue pitching to the point where um you know it was essentially valueless. I mean obviously that's that's ridiculous. Half the categories uh that we play for are pitching categories. Um I just think it balances things out. Um and I think people are gonna see that as we go into the season. Um I think it is adjusting trade values. Um Mike and I were having a conversation today and um we were we were kind of saying, you know, trade values right now are just kind of all over the map. Um so I don't I don't think people necessarily know what what to expect and what players are worth, um, especially hitting versus pitching. Um but I think I think people are gonna figure that out as we as we step into the season and as we as we get into this a little deeper. And I think it's all ultimately gonna be fine. It's not you know, it's it's not like we're um reinventing fantasy baseball here. We've added a couple of hitting positions. That's it.
0: That might be the quotes of the interview there, but do you, did you have to be, you personally, did you have to be convinced that this was a positive change for the league, or, or was it really a no-brainer for you from the get-go?
2: No, um, I didn't have to be convinced. I thought it was a, a great idea from the start. Um, I've been playing playing vanilla 5x5 for years in other leagues, um, so it just makes sense to me. Um, the only difference there is, you know, it's not head-to-head. you it's you know you accumulate stats all year long in each category uh i play in one league over at yahoo with uh peter cruiser who's also known as ask roto Man. he writes column for mlb um and some of his fantasy dork friends um i play in another league with some friends including my wife and my brother um joe and mike are also in that league and that league also plays by standard roto rules so the velocity rule just makes sense to me and I'm, I'm i'm not uncomfortable with it i think maybe because i've played in a number of other fantasy leagues. All right. Wow. (laughs) That was a fairly non-controversial
1: discussion there. Let's see. Let's. let's, (laughs) You guys,
2: you guys expected something different.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Let's ease up and go way back to the beginning. Um, I can't believe you're in other leagues, Brian. You disappoint me, but
2: (laughs) what, you know what, I will, I will have, I will have to say something though. When, uh, when I first came into the league, Scotty and I had a conversation because he vets every candidate um, you know, who comes in. He checks the, them out, yeah. he makes sure they're you know, a good candidate and whatnot. And so we had a long discussion about, you know, and I I told him about the other leagues that I play in and, and he, he said, and I remember this, this this stands out, you know, <laughs> from two thousand six, right? Oh wow. Scotty said, Yeah, Scotty said, Well, you know, you described one of your other leagues as being your main fantasy league. He yeah. said, I And mean, I hope I hope over time that the BDL will become your main fantasy league. And at the time I remember thinking, yeah, okay, whatever, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I'd played with this other drip guys for, you know, six or seven years by that point. And, um, but it really has happened. You know, the BDL is what I consider my main fantasy league. My It's the first thing I look at in the mornings. It's the last thing I look at at night. Um, yeah, you know, my friendships with pe- people in the BDL, I value those tremendously, um, and so it's it's become very very important to me. And and honestly, it's the one league I couldn't I couldn't do without.
0: It's an honor to hear that, Brian. Thank you.
2: Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> so you kind of took
1: the words right out of my mouth. Uh, the first question was what drew you to the BDL, and obviously it was Scotty. I mean, he did it for me. Uh,
2: <laughs> <Yes. okay. laughs> yeah, he's. was he started sexting me, you know, and. and uh, wait. <laughs>
1: So what I mean, you talk about the friendships you made, the guys here. What what else keeps you here? What you, what you, what else do you love about the league?
2: Oh, it's definitely um the chicks. You <laughs> know? And uh the the money. The money's good too. Um really though, it's it's the camaraderie. This is this is the kind of league where everybody in the league is basically friends with everybody else. We've known each other a long time. Mm-hmm. And you just don't find that everywhere. You know, and, and, and it's nice that, you know, we've had um Less turnover, I think, than you see in a lot of leagues. Uh, there's a depth here that you just don't find in other, um, you know, more casual fantasy leagues. I Plus, agree. there's the chicks,
1: <laughs> and you get to see them every day. I mean, it's almost like going to another job. It is right. Yeah, absolutely. Every day of the year, I'm I'm on the forum. It's it's great. Right? <laughs> it is, and I'm gonna go go back now, exactly back to when you joined the league. And I'm going to list you off uh, the original top ten draft picks that that comprised your nucleus back then, only two of which are still playing baseball. (laughs) uh, So that's (laughs) Carlos Beltran and Adrian Beltrea, And listen to the rest of them here. Rich Harden, Richie Sexton, Jeff Kent, Chad Tracy, Andy Pettit, Jason Isringhausen, Felipe Lopez, and Cliff Floyd. And uh,
2: So how did you ever recover from all that? God, hey, don't don't knock that team too bad. I mean, (laughs) I had... uh, I had Neffy Perez and uh, Michael Barrett too, right? Those are big time players. Um, Hector Carrasco. I also had a- Emil Brown. Was he even a player? Wow. Uh, <laughs> Is that a Actually, it was, it was, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, I cut him right away. I, I don't know. I didn't know who he was. Um, but actually, it was kind of fun early on because I had the freedom to cut or trade everybody on the roster, you know? I didn't draft these guys. I was not attached to them at all. Um,
0: For good reason, you.
2: <laughs> ver- yeah, trust true.
0: them. True. I think Eddie Murray was still playing baseball and on your team. <laughs> you might have been. You might have been.
2: Um, but it was a little bit like the stock market, too, because as soon as a guy had a good game, I could look to move him, <laughs> you know, try to talk somebody, somebody <laughs> into taking him off my hands and, and to improve what I had just a little bit. Um, it was. And I have to mention this, too, because it was a smaller league back then. And so I was able to pick up some decent players, you know, off of waivers. And um, I was also able to swing trades for some good young players, Um, like Ishiro Suzuki. Um, He was on my roster that first year. I gave up Andy Pettit and Chad Tracy for him. (laughs) Good memory. Brent Brent might not remember this, but that was a trade that he and I pulled off. I remember him uh, sending me the email, you know pleasure doing business with you <laughs> <laughs> uh i also had uh, felix hernandez way back then um and i traded uh jason isringhausen for him wow. um yeah i picked up guys like john lester and jared weaver got those guys on waivers um and i think they were like like basically your triple a type players i don't think they had broken in yet but um Jesus, hearing some of the names that I started with, that uh, that team really was pretty shitty.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's amazing to think back and look at the names. I, I was talking to Chris just the other day, and um, we were commenting that we should have tried to keep track of the teams, like at the end of the year, who was on what team, and really oh, yeah. and see. Uh, it would be interesting if anybody uh, out there in BDL land wanted to put that together, if you're good with spreadsheets or something. Um, oh, yeah. And we've made a lot about your, uh, you know, many, many lean years. I mean, if nothing else, I've got to give you uh, a lot of credit for your patience. I I couldn't believe it. Every year, like, trying to talk to you, and you're like, I'm being patient. I'm still still waiting. So after all that, you know, aside from making Kevin cry last September, what's been your most enjoyable experience? It's got to be, you know, after all of that...
2: Uh, yeah, the championship was nice, but I th- I think perhaps for me an even bigger moment um, than winning the championship per- possibly was taking the BDL West away from Bill and doing wow. that in a season where that wasn't supposed to happen. You know, 2012, you know, Scotty and I were talking about it a moment ago. we both basically went from worst to first. And people had talked about our teams as you know being up, up and coming, and and whatnot. But we weren't supposed to win. And coming, you know, ha- having been the doormat in that division for so long, uh, to come back and win the ch- the title, you know, um, of the BDL West champion, that felt good. That felt good. And. maybe it shouldn't be this way, maybe it's not nice, but uh, Bill's a fun guy to beat. Sure.
1: I mean, he was dominating that division. It had to feel good. It felt good. Yeah, it definitely felt good. I mean, that has to be your greatest rival. Um, Do you have any other
2: favorites in the league to, you know, quote, give the cramps? (laughs) uh well i'll tell you a team that has constantly given me fits is um is Orts team no matter what they're named he just every year i do not play well against him so he's always been one of my natural rivals um i'm really looking forward to to playing chris's teams more you know in because you know he was in the other division before and and we really didn't get a chance to play that much and um so it's been fun going head to head against Chris, and also Joe because again he was in the other league and and uh, so it's it's fun to, to match up with him because he's a he's a great guy and I, I felt for Joe a, a lot um, this last season because I knew he had high hopes for his team and losing to me in the semifinal round had to had to be kind of painful um, and having been there the year before I think I had. A lot of empathy for him and what what that what that feels like it's not gonna keep me from beating him again this year but you know
1: <laughs> absolutely and um, I mean over the years we've seen different reactions from from the champions reaching that plateau um, I know after 2012 you um, you sta- st- stood Pat um, and I guess going forward you're you're kind of uh, taking a wait-and-see with the new positions I mean, how how do you expect to stay motivated um, to stay in that elite exclusive club, the championship club? Uh, What do you expect for for the cramps?
2: Well, I think I'm just going to try to keep doing what I've been doing, you know, try to make sure I've got the best possible players at each position and just let the guys play. Um, You know, I like my pitching right now. Um, I know there was that trade – a week or so ago where I traded Matt Moore away. And I think that raised my brows, but I really felt like uh, my team had enough pitching to compete against anybody um, week to week. And matter of fact, I think I could dominate pretty much anybody week to week. Um, but I didn't feel like I had that same kind of leverage on the hitting side of the ball. So even looking at some kind of a modest upgrade from Pablo Sandoval, who, by the way, I find to be a very frustrating player to own. He's constantly <laughs> injured to uh to Ryan Zimmerman, you know. I think Zimmerman's going to be uh he's going to give me a few more home runs, um slightly better batting average, certainly more RBI. Um and I felt like that was, you know, that was a gamble worth taking. So, just trying to spread the risk around and make sure I've got the best guys at every position and and uh, see where things end up.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. I think Matt Moore will end up being the best player in the deal, but um I I feel you on sandoval because especially with you mentioning earlier with you know guys leaving certain spots on the roster open it's like you're doing that when when you can't count on a
2: guy like that oh yeah yeah i mean he he played well for me in the playoffs last year but really there were huge chunks of last season where i didn't have him because you know he had a broken foot or he had an elbow problem or i forget what all his various injuries were but i mean um, i understand I understand he's lost a lot of weight this off season, and he's you know going to be a free agent. And he's very motivated. i don't care. I'm just tired of the guy
0: well, Brian, do you think there's a single biggest challenge or obstacle that, that the cramps are going to face in two
2: thousand and fourteen uh you know it's funny we had a um a uh, a show last year we did with uh with Craig and John where we, we talked about everybody's team in the, in the Pacific and what our biggest challenges were going to be. And, and I said injuries and uh, Craig kind of laughed at me and and he said, you know, that's, that's kind of a, a non-answer because of course it's injuries. Everybody's afraid that their players are going to get injured, but really um, this last season, I had so many injuries as we approached the playoffs. I was sure I was going to get knocked out and um, it, somehow i won those three matchups in a row in the playoffs and um I, I was kind of amazed by that especially with all the injuries i had and missing you know missing jason hayward and missing brian harper and and of course uh jose bautista was on the dl i mean you go into the playoffs with three of your three of your starting outfielders on the shelf you gotta be worried <laughs> um and somehow somehow it all worked out but um i, th- I think this year it's, it's the same thing um you know if you have a successful team uh and and you're in the playoffs by necessity almost you're going to have a team that's getting older as you go along um scotty and i were talking about this before the show that you worry you know because you've only got a window to win you know two or three seasons before you have to start thinking about blowing things up and starting over and so that's what i worry about i worry about you know um Having a lot of injuries, not performing, getting to the playoffs and being old and hurt and and, and flaming out. That's what I worry about. I, I agree
1: with you more or less. Because I kind of reached that point with Pujols and Linscom. Uh But, I mean, just going off on a tangent here, looking at the rest of the league, I think Bill is probably the best example we have of potentially not having to do that. Not having to rebuild. Because I know People don't like to trade with him at this point, but um, he manages to stay as young as he needs, yet still maintain that elite level, and um, it's kind of impressive.
2: Yeah, it is. It, it, it's very impressive. Um, and I, I think that, uh, you know, as, as time has gone on, he seems to always be able to pull off a deal... Mm-hmm. To get the pieces he needs, and mm-hmm. um, that's not that's not something I'm I'm so sure that I'm as good at doing. Um, you know, and, and it's it'll be interesting. I think when I go into rebuild mode, I'm going to blow it all up and start over. Uh, with <laughs> with Bill, you know, he seems to always pull um, pull a rabbit out of a hat and stay competitive. So, got to hand it to him.
0: Brian, you brought up Joe a few minutes ago. Um, what do you believe is the most likely outcome? For the Amish this year, a BDLCS berth or a summer sell-off.
2: <laughs> oh, most likely. Um, you know, Joe, for somebody who doesn't like to trade, he he's been he's been more active, you know, the last few seasons. Uh, so it, it it's it's not outside the realm of possibility that he could go into rebuild mode. I know the other day he made a, a comment about not liking his team um very much and i have definitely been at that point before but just between us chickens i know i don't think it's the time is right for him to blow that team up i think he's still going to be very competitive um i think he's a definite playoff contender this year even if he does nothing i think i think he could he could he could go deep in the playoffs with the team he has
0: will johnny ever make the playoffs again
2: of course, <laughs> not this year though.
0: <laughs> How so?
2: Well, not next year either. <laughs> no.
0: Uh-oh. If John
1: and if John and Craig and uh, or the Cubs fans don't uh, look out, I might take that fourth spot this year. I don't. I don't believe in tanking. I played last year. I played uh, as hard as I could every week. Granted, I traded all my players away <laughs> so I could <laughs> win, but. Uh, I'm
2: I'm gonna play to win this year. Yeah, I don't believe in tanking either. Um and and, and I congratulate you for that. You know, even when you've got a, a team that's in a total rebuild, you gotta go out there and try to surprise people. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's that's fair play, you know, that's that's what we all expect from each other. We expect every um every matchup to be competitive. Um and so yeah, I I, I think it's possible, you know, you could sneak in. Um I I think you might have to make some deals to make that happen, because you've got some guys who are very young still. But, uh, yeah, you never know. I mean, look at what Kevin did last year. If you if you looked at Kevin, you know, if you looked at his team 18 months ago, none of us would have thought he would be in the finals last year. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, Johnny's one guy who's historically pushed for larger uh, minor league rosters. Brian, what what are your thoughts on expanding them? Do you think that's good, bad, or even inevitable?
2: I mean, I don't really have a strong feeling about it. Um, if I mean, if we're talking about expanding to fifty players, I'm probably not going to be interested in doing that. But if somebody wanted to go to twenty-five, I wouldn't fight it. I mean, you know, I mean, all these guys are just lottery tickets anyway. Um, so stashing a few more wouldn't 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 uh, you know wouldn't be a problem in a league of this size where we have deep rosters anyway. But uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy with twenty. I I find it to be a a manageable number, and to go to too many more, I think, would uh, require us to do an awful lot more homework, and I'm not sure that uh, (laughs) all of us are interested in doing that.
0: Do you have any feeling on what the next evolution of BDL Fantasy Baseball could be, or what would you like to see?
2: Yeah, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of satisfied with the BDL the, the way it is right now. I'm really I think it's a great group of guys. Uh, I, I really think we we, ha- we put the best product out there. I mean, we 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 have a terrific um, competitive atmosphere. And I I I you, actually you said it um, at the winter meetings. I think last year I think you you talked about putting the league on cruise control for a few seasons. And I, I, th- I think that would be really cool just to rock and roll with what we got and just have some fun.
0: We're well, Brian, before we wrap up, of course we have the obligatory uh, <coughs> prediction question. So tell us who wins in 2014, who wins both the ACL and the PCL.
2: Oh, wow. Uh, well, it's kind of hard to say that the playoff contenders won't be the same ones that we saw last year, to be honest with you. Um, I haven't seen any dramatic improvements from some of the teams who are outside the playoffs. Um, you would like to see that with some of the teams, but, um, so I think in the Pacific, it's going to come down to one of the Amish cramps and the beers, um, which I think will be exciting. Um, I'm not sure either of those two teams has the pitching to really keep up with mine. So clearly I like my chances and, um, I'm truthfully going to do whatever I can to beat those guys all year long and take every category I can away from them. (laughs) Uh, in the Atlantic league, I like the Rockets quite a bit. Um, he was coming on so strong at the end of last year. Mm -hmm. I think he's made some good moves this off season. Um, and I like the double downs again. Um, the generals could surprise there as well, though. I think uh, I think the generals have a, a strong team. The damage I know were a very strong team last season, but um, you know, and, and they're still strong. But I I just don't see that team doing anything other than getting older right now. And uh, you mentioned it a moment ago, Scotty. He could, he could make some moves. He always seems to find, you know, somebody to, to deal with and, and to obtain some players that are going to keep him in the hunt. Um, but right now, I think he's got a pretty old team, and I think he's got to be worried about it. So um, I th- I'm, I'm putting him outside the, the championship um, contention ring at the moment, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see him sneak back in. Sweet.
1: I guess uh, it's time for the send-off. And, and keep in mind... Uh This question came in from the Wambler household. (laughs) Now that the Jens finally got a win versus the Cramps, who has the Crawford curse moved on to?
2: I'm sorry, you broke up just for a second there.
1: (laughs) Scotty wants to know. (laughs) Now that the Jens finally got a win versus
2: the Cramps, who has the Crawford curse moved on to? Oh, you know, that was so disappointing you know, to have been in the league for seven years and for Scotty never to have beaten me. And then to finally, finally break that streak. And it was right in the middle of, um, I had just like a horrific streak against, against the Atlantic. Um, I think I lost to four Atlantic opponents in a row and I think I lost badly to all of them. Um, yeah, that sucked. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Um, I'd love, I'd love for that, uh, for that, uh, you know, curse to fall to, you know, one of my, one of my, um, one of my rivals, maybe the the Amish or the Damage or somebody like that, just to go for a while without beating me and be very frustrated by that fact.
1: Mm-hmm. Hey, Scotty, I know, I know that's pretty much what we have for Brian here tonight, but he is the champion. Um, while we're here, do you want to let him run the bases with us?
0: Sure, why not?
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll run quickly through this. I'll, I'll run through the four. If you guys have something to say about them, you know, shoot. All right, so we'll run the bases. First base, going it's all over. whale. Bulldogs have a sudden hole to fill at third base with the retirement of Michael Young. How greatly does that affect the team's playoff chances?
0: Uh, didn't have high chances in the first place, so I don't know that it affects them all that much, but it certainly doesn't help.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah that's what I'm thinking too I, I, I don't see Bulawayo as a playoff team yet I mean they've got some nice pieces but uh, they're a, a year or two away um, if, I, if I were tra- uh, Craig I think I'd be looking to move some pieces around okay Nor, NorCal CC
1: Sabathia says he's added muscle this offseason bolster his pitching strength who wins more games for the Yanks CC or Tanaka
0: Good question. Um, Tanaka's still such an unknown, so I'm going to say CC, but I, I could be very easily convinced to just take a shot with the lottery ticket there.
2: Yeah, I can I can see that too. Um, I mean, CC's C- got the experience. Um, he looks good. I mean, I think we've all seen photos of him this off season. Looks like he slimmed down and added added some muscle. Um, I have no idea what Tanaka is or or you know, never having seen him pitch. Uh, I I don't think he has the same kind of um, reputation as some of the other premium Japanese pitchers that we've seen come out of the J- Japanese league in the last couple of seasons. So I'm gonna go with CC there. CC's done, in my, in my opinion. You think, think so?
1: Wow. I think the damage still makes the playoffs, but I think CC's one guy that just absolutely
2: falls off. Well, he might win six games and Tanaka five. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Yankees aren't going to be that great, man. They're not yeah. going to be a very good team. Avon's going to hit four
1: home runs. <laughs> so what? what is old is new. 31-year-old Grady Sizemore, who hasn't played in the majors since 2011, has agreed to join the Red Sox. Will a BDL team roll the dice on Grady next month?
0: Uh... You know, last year I would have said... I would have said absolutely <laughs> with, um... You know, with the new roster format, I... I'm not quite as convinced, but... Probably. I, I would have put the odds at better than 50%. Uh...
2: If I've got an empty TL slot, I will. That's <laughs> crazy. I can't believe he's only thirty-one.
0: It's a rousing endorsement.
2: <laughs> yeah, that—that's about it, though. Oh
0: man, i, I swear, I thought. Uh, of course, you know, Grady, a former gen. Um, Part of our first uh, BDLCS, uh, well, our only BDLCS run in, in 2007. I, I thought he was going to be such a special player, but uh, yeah. Yeah. In- injuries really just uh, totally, totally derailed, derailed Grady. But Johnny, I'll handle the last one here. So long, Lance. Uh, 15-year veteran Lance Berkman has decided to hang it up. Berkman was originally drafted by the Killer Cars in the third round of the 2006 BDL draft. Johnny. Any parting words for your former slugger?
1: Well done. <laughs> I think he's gonna go down as. Um, I mean, he's re- he's done. <laughs> he should definitely retire. I think he's gonna go down as one of the top uh, switch switch hitters of all time.
2: Interesting. Okay. I've never I've never owned him in any fantasy league I've ever been in. <laughs> Strangely.
0: Johnny was pretty married to him for a while You had the fat head poster and all that stuff <laughs>
2: <laughs> the fat head. I had the underwear <laughs> The Lance Berkman underoos Hopefully they weren't uh, you know game used or anything like that uh,
0: <laughs> And on that note, I think we're going to wrap this up So Brian, uh, man, appreciate you so much uh, Coming on TMO um, uh, for this episode Hope to have you back at some point um hopefully it's not for the uh a championship parade this year because i'd like to have one <laughs> shot at that but uh anyway uh any parting words no i think we're
2: good thanks for having me on guys i really appreciate it
0: good deal thanks. johnny next time bro <laughs> <laughs> i'm
2: coming for you. Take, take it easy fellas
0: i right, appreciate it guys you've been listening to two men on
1: and we're out